Well, Feliz Navidad and Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. Uh, I really missed you last week. Uh, I hope you had fun with our pastor, Chris Wall. Uh, I was in Owasso preaching, and uh, you know that, you remember that little dog I had up here? So I did that in Owasso, and I got like a standing ovation. I don't know why. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, don't, I don't know why you guys are doing that, but they, they just loved it too. So I'm, I'm really glad that that little dog is working out. I'm telling you, I'm bringing it out every single Christmas, so it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, man, really, really missed you guys, um, but uh, I'm just so glad to be here with you. Um, but before we begin, I just want to make like this huge, crazy, awesome announcement to all of you guys. This is the very last Sunday that we're in this room because the remodeling is happening, like straight up. Yeah, come on, come on. And so uh, we have to get everything out of here, and the first thing to leave should probably be us. And so we're going to be, thank you so much, Michael, I thought that was awesome too. Uh, and so the first thing that needs to get out of here is us. In order for us to get all of this out of here so they can rip up the carpet, build what they need to build. And so I just want to make sure you guys know that's happening. And so the following Sunday, so any other Sunday past today, will be in the other worship center. Okay? And so not only will we be in the other worship center the following Sundays, I do want to let you know that a Christmas Eve service will also be in the worship center over there as well. And so we have some really cool things for us. Um, but I just want to talk about the remodel just, just a little bit. I wish I had like something to give you in your hands so you know how super cool it's going to be. But I didn't receive that in time, and so I'll get that to you later. But as we think about the remodel in this place, I, I think of that song, Do It Again. That song where it's like, Lord, I, I've seen you move, and I know you're going to do it again. Lord, I've seen you use this place time and time again as a space and a place where people encounter the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe we will continue to see that as the years come. Lord, we believe that this will be a space and a place where restoration will happen. A space and a place where people will say, I need Jesus in my life and my life will be transformed because of it. That is something that I believe and something that we believe because it's not just that we're trying to be cool. It's not just that we're trying to make something nice, but it's something that we want to invest in and say, Lord, we're going to invest in this place understanding you're going to continue to use this place as a beacon of hope, as a people who are on the mission, the people who understand that, man, we have to be able to be a people who communicate the gospel to this community, to transform this community because... If we believe that Jesus can transform people and people make up a community, we have to believe that Jesus can change a community. And that's what we see and that's why we want to remodel and do other things because honestly, I want to continue to see this place to be a place where real discipleship happens and real disciple makers are made. Um, and so that's why we're remodeling. We're not remodeling to be super cool, but we're remodeling to invest in the next generation to say we want to see a next generation become the now generation, to pick up the mantle, to go, to share the gospel, and make disciples. And that's why we're remodeling. Um, but I, I will tell you this, I am glad that we're going to be um, in the other worship center uh, because I just think the chair is a little bit more comfortable. I don't know if you guys love that too. Um, but as, as we think about the candlelight service, I just do want to just personally invite you to the candlelight service. Uh, that'll be at 8 o'clock. And so here are two graphics just to kind of show you, um, again, the time. So it'll be at 8 o'clock. And 
The cool thing about this service is that it'll be bilingual. Um, and so we're going to do some aspects in English, some aspects in Spanish, and really bring both of our services together, the 9.30 service and the 12.30 service. And another way we're going to come together, which is honestly some of my, uh, probably the most thing I'm excited for, is that before 8 o'clock, if you want to come at 7, you should just probably come at 7. Why? Because there's going to be some awesome things like hot chocolate, okay? So there'll be some hot chocolate for you. I don't know if you can see that. And then after the hot chocolate, we're going to have some cookies that you can decorate. So we're going to have some decorating some cookies, which should be super good. Uh, so then we will also have some other treats. So we're probably going to have some conchas, which is like this sweet Mexican bread. And then... We're going to have these things called buñuelos, but they're going to be Colombian buñuelos. So it's like these little, these little things are just delicious. And not just Colombian buñuelos, but we're going to have Mexican buñuelos, okay? Like, watch out. Like, come on. Come on. We're going to have some Mexican buñuelos, too. So I'm Mexican, so, I, you know, we could just, uh, anyway. Uh, and so I want to invite you to that because it will be a time for us to fellowship together, to have fun. And I just wanted to create that space from 7 to 8. Uh, to just eat treats together, to hang out, take some pictures uh, before 8 o'clock. Because we do have a really unique service kind of planned out uh, for us. And so uh, I just wanted to make sure, just kind of show you some pictures and say, hey, you should just come. Um, so we are going to continue in the series called Remind Me. Um, we are going to continue that in this, in this sermon today. Um, and I just want to remind you that during this whole Christmas season, this Christmas time, one of the prayers I just want to encourage you to pray is, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me of who you have promised to be. Lord, remind me of what you have promised to do. And, and Lord, also remind me of how you have promised to return. Lord, remind me of, of that's, how, that's a reality in our life, that, yeah, you promised to arrive, and then, and then you went back to the right hand of the Father, but, Lord, you you promised that you're going to arrive again, that you're going to return, that you're going to come back. So Lord, remind me during the season of all of that because though sometimes that can kind of bring a little like anxiety and, and worry because let's just be honest, all of us when we think about eternity or heaven, we kind of get a little anxiety like, oh my gosh, forever, you know. But I hope it gives you some hope of saying, no, like I'm going to be with my king forever. I'm going to be under his reign forever in his presence forever. And so that's the prayer for us of like, Lord, uh, Lord, remind me. Um, and so the title of the message this morning is this. It's the Christmas expectation. The Christmas expectation. And as we look at Matthew chapter 2, that's what we're going to see is this Christmas expectation that they had and then the Christmas expectation that we can have. And so as you turn to Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 12. I, I want to do a little Bible trivia with you. And it's only two questions, but I think, this is, I think this will be really fun. And you can't cheat, okay? I know you're going to Matthew chapter 2 right now, but don't cheat. And so I'm going to ask you two questions. <clears throat> so here's the, here's the first question with the first picture. All right, so maybe I'll just have you look at the picture first. Okay. So here's, here's the question. Don't, don't cheat now. But how many, how many wise men... Does the Bible say, follow the star and travel to Jerusalem to find the newborn Messiah? How many wise men or magi? Three. Three. Okay, we got three out there. We have someone doing four, maybe, or three. Okay, okay. So just think about it. Think about it. <clears throat> Here's dramatic pause. Let me show you the next slide, and then I'll explain it. If you look at the Bible, and it's actually in Matthew chapter 2, it doesn't actually say how many went. 
It actually doesn't say that it was three. Uh, Traditionally, we think it's three because they brought three kinds of gifts. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit, what those three gifts are. But that's why we think there is three. But if we, as we look at the text and as we read it here in a little bit, you're going to see there might have been a little bit more than three. And the reason being is because they kind of made a ripple in the, in the kingdom. Because when they, when they came to uh, King Herod, King Herod was like, oh man, I should probably get all the priests and, and all the other people of Jerusalem and kind of gather together. So I think there's like an entourage. Now, I don't know if it's that many. But I do think is maybe more than three because they uh, kind of made a big entrance, you could say. So that was the first trivia question. So great job. Way to fail on that one. No worries. No worries. Okay, here's the second question. Here's the second question with the, with the next picture. So I'll let you look at the picture. All right. So here's the next question. According to the Bible, where did the wise men or the magi find Jesus? Where did they find Jesus? Anybody? Anybody? The manger, okay, okay. Anybody else want to say anything? It's okay if you don't want to. Somewhere in Nazareth, as you said. A home, you said a home, okay, 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 good, good, good. So just think about it, think about it. You might get it wrong, honestly, honestly, don't worry about it. Okay, so let me show you this next picture. So, correct, it was in a home, not in a manger. So next time, hey, next time, in a home. Okay, so as we look at Matthew chapter 2, you will actually see that when they arrive, they arrive in a house, in a home, not in the manger. Now, I don't know, I don't know why the tradition is, is saying, hey, uh, you know, when, when they got there, they arrived in a manger. I, I don't know, maybe because it just seemed cooler that they would find Jesus and the donkeys were still there and all the other animals were still there. Um, but it's safe to say that um, maybe there's some time that had, that had gone by before um, the Magi got there. And so as we, uh, as we get there, I hope you had a little bit of fun on that Bible trivia because we're going to see the answers as we read Matthew chapter 2. So let's go ahead and stand up together. And as we read, you'll see the answers to these questions that we just had. So we're going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 12. So it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent to them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star had se- they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10 says this, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Where was it? The house. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Amen. Maybe seated. Did you see the answers in there? It's kind of fun, huh? Kind of fun. So as we look at this passage together, there's this main idea I just want us to get. And this main idea I'm going to be pointing back to uh, time and time again, and it's this. Is that we need to worship Jesus in expectation. Worship Jesus in expectation. And as we look at this as worship Jesus in expectation, I just, I just want you to think of the moments you've ever been disappointed. Those moments you've just been so disappointed. And when you think about those moments in life... Most of the time, disappointment comes whenever your expectations are not realized. Or sometimes when you have unrealistic expectations on something, that's when you're most disappointed. You see, when we worship Jesus in expectation, it's actually really beautiful because Jesus has set the expectation and has made the expectation really, really clear. And he made the expectation that he was going to come. And what did he do? He did. He arrived. And so he set the expectation, meaning we were not disappointed. And then Jesus has said, hey, I have come and I have arrived and I have lived and I have died and I rose from the grave and then I ascended into heaven and then I'm returning. Again, the expectation is clear and it's there, meaning we're not going to be disappointed. Why? Because it's going to happen. And so as we wait and as we expect for Jesus to arrive and to come back, we have to worship him. And we have to worship him in expectation knowing that he's going to do what he has said he's going to do. So we're going to be pointing back to that time and time again in this passage. And so the first thing we're going to see in verses 1 to 6 is this. An expectation met. That's what we see. In verses 1 to 6 is an expectation that is met. Um, I hope, I hope uh, Chris, um, he talked about this. I hope he did uh, last week. But, you know, I found it really interesting that as, uh, as we looked at that passage last week and, you know, Jesus was born, if I was a director of a movie, what I would have done is I would have zoomed into the faces of Mary and Joseph right after they had the baby. You know, kind of just like zoomed into them, like holding the baby, like super cool. But that's not, that's not what happened. Instead, it zoomed out and it kind of went over here and it zoomed in on the faces of the shepherds. Because I, I would have honestly, you know, zoomed into this, this uh, glowing faces of Mary and Joseph Instead, zoomed into the gloomy faces of the shepherds. And what we saw last week is just an interesting and amazing fact that Jesus arrived and that Jesus revealed himself to a people who had no idea what was happening. And he also revealed himself to a people that weren't even looking for him. And then what we see in this moment with, with these magi is that, yes, the, the son has arrived, but he has revealed himself to a people who were actually looking a people who were being attentive, a people who were being expectant, a people who were saying, okay, when is this Messiah going to arrive? And so he's, he's shown himself to people who were not looking and then to people who were. And as we look at these magi, you know, they're sometimes called wise men. And they're not called wise men because they are like full of wisdom. But they're called this because traditionally they were a type of people that looked at the scriptures and then looked at the stars to say, okay, what is creation telling us about what, uh, what God is doing and, and how he's going to reveal himself here? And so you have Jesus revealing his location to them. And, and I just, what I just find so interesting is that these magi, uh, they were willing to take their time uh, because traditionally it's said that they're, uh, they're from Babylon, that they took their time to travel to Babylon 
to go and see Jesus, that they traveled to follow the star to go see where he was, and they were willing to meet the king face to face. And what I love is that they really weren't traveling to go to a place, to go see a place. They were traveling to go see a person, and that person was King Jesus. So it wasn't that they were traveling just to go see the surroundings and say, wow, that's, that's a really cool tree, but to go say, no, like this is a person, this is the king. And really, as we look at all of this, there's all these mentions of, of kings and, and the prophecy, and this is actually something that Matthew does time and time again. He always makes an emphasis of how Jesus is the king and how Jesus comes from the line of David. Because this whole place, Bethlehem, is this royal, this royal city where the great King David was born himself. And, and it has all to do with this prophecy of saying, this is the Messiah, this is the king, this is who he is. And the Magi thought this was a big deal. I mean, they're going, and look what it says uh, over here in verses, uh, in verses 2 and 3, where the Magi go to King Herod, and they ask him, they're like, hey, like, where's the Messiah? Like the Magi thought it was a big enough deal to go all the way to the king and say, hey, king, where is this person at? And the king was like, hmm. And so he has to call on his people and say, hey, like, where, where is this person at? They thought it was such a big deal that they went to him. And, and here's what's interesting. I want you to look at verse 2 one more time with me. This is what the Magi say. They say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? You see, that, that's a big statement because it doesn't say the one who was born to be king. So he wasn't born to be king. He was born king. And so that's a really interesting fact for us because we have to remember that Jesus has always been king. That there has never been a time that Jesus wasn't king. And there will never ever be a time in the future that he's not king. He was born king because he was already king. But this king in humility came down to us. And so that's what we see right here that um, these priests and these teachers actually quote Micah 5, uh, 5 2, which is what verse 6 is. They quote 5 2, and what that reveals to us is that this is not just a king, but this is someone who will shepherd my people, Israel. He will be this ruler and this shepherd. And so as we look at all of this, we see this expectation met. And, and for us personally, you know, as we just dissect all of this, that Jesus. He was born king and, and all of this. You might be asking, okay, Misael, there's so many applications that we could draw from this, but what does that really mean for me? Well, here's the cool thing is that the expectation wasn't just met for the Magi, but it was met, it was met for us. It was met for us of saying, man, uh, God kept his promise, this promise that we see all the way back into the Garden of Eden. This promise that goes all the way back to Genesis of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send the Messiah. Hey, actually, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to go with you. And I think there's something to learn from the Magi here. If you think about the, Mag the Magi, they did worship Jesus in expectation. And part of worshiping Jesus in expectation is this. There's going to be moments of waiting. I mean, imagine the people of the Old Testament. Imagine the Magi just like waiting and waiting and waiting. And what did they do as they waited? They worshiped. So they waited and they worshiped and said, okay, I don't know when this Messiah is coming, but, but I'm, I'm going to worship God until he comes and I'm going to continue to worship him in expectation because I need to worship Jesus and, and wait for Jesus. And as I think about that, that whole idea of, of waiting and worshiping, 
I think it's something that really builds up our faith. I think as we wait and as we worship, we're confronted with saying, okay, Lord, I don't know when that thing is going to happen. Lord, I don't know when you're returning. But man, before we get there, I want to be faithful and I want to trust you and I want to worship in the waiting. I have to worship in the waiting. Because it's in that moment of worshiping in the waiting that we are so attentive to what God is doing. We're so attentive to where God is moving. We're so attentive to say, okay, Lord, like, like I, I just want to continue to just follow you. And, and maybe I don't know the full picture, but I just know this one step. That's why so many times I like to describe God's calling as an assignment. Because an assignment, I mean, think of like the police force or a detective. And they're handed an assignment. You see, when they're handed an assignment, they don't know everything about that assignment. They just know they have to grab it and do it. And so their first step is just to accept the assignment and say, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. And as they're walking in that assignment and as they're living it out, as they're dissecting it, that's where more and more and more is revealed. And so we have to be able to be a people who worship the Lord and the waiting. And, and you see, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that there's some prayers that I've been praying personally that have not been answered yet. And I'm just like waiting. I'm like, Lord, this would be awesome. But the Lord is just telling me, hey, it's, it's just waiting time. And as you're waiting, you have to worship. And the reason I, I keep on saying that is because I think all of us are in a waiting period. We live in this period of like Jesus has, has arrived and, and he has set his kingdom here, but he's, he's coming back. And so all of us are in this waiting time of saying, Lord, I don't know when you're coming back, but man, I'm going to worship you even before you get here. And I'm going to celebrate, Lord, even before you get here. And so for all of us, we have to be able to be willing to humble ourselves and, and worship the Lord even in the waiting, even when we don't understand. And uh, one thing that I said last Sunday um, in Owasso, which is something I've just been absolutely just trying to wrestle with, is this. As we wait, you know what question we love to ask? Why? Why? And something that the Lord gave to me that was kind of like a punch in the face and a punch in the gut all at the same time was this, is that we need God's grace more than we need God's answer to our why. Amen. And as we think about that, that's a big pill to swallow. Of saying, Lord, I need your grace more than I need your answer. Why? Well, because you're my answer. You're my saving grace. And Lord, I... As I look at you, I mean, you're worth way more than this why, the answer to this why. And so as we wait, we have to understand, Lord, I, I need your grace more than I need that answer. And so that's what we've seen in, in verses 1 to 6 is this expectation met. Uh, but then what we're going to see next in verses 7 to 12 is this, an expectation exceeded. An expectation exceeded. And I'm going to read this one more time for us. Uh, because I just think it's amazing. So it says this, starting in verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Which was a big lie, by the way. I don't know if you recognize that. That was just a huge lie. Like he was not trying to worship him. Like he felt, he felt super threatened. Like he thought his kingdom was threatened by Jesus. He's like, hey, yeah, hey, go find the guy and I'm going to go worship him. Actually, I want to go kill him. But 
That's really what was happening. So don't fall into this lie. Uh, so verse 9 says this. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Okay, time out. Did you hear that? Like, the star, like, moved, and they followed this moving star to where Jesus was. That's a, that's a miracle. Like, I think of God's grace in all of this. Like, God, you're just so kind. Like, you're just so gracious to not just reveal yourself and say, hello, I'm here, but to, like, guide us step by step to say, no, no, like, really, like, really, I'm here. Like, I'm guiding you step by step. I just think it's incredible. And then verse 11 says this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Man, I can just imagine these, these magi you know, walking up to the house and, and seeing Jesus. And they're like, man, our expectation was met. But you know what's interesting? I don't know if they could really fathom who they were looking at. I don't know if they could really fathom what he was here to do. Because, yes, maybe they were thinking, man, this is this humble king, this humble Messiah that has come to us. But they didn't know the extent of the humility the king would go through. The extent of the humility that he would go to the cross for their sins. Like the magi who were looking at, at, at baby Jesus, he was like, yeah, I'm dying for your sins. Like, yeah, you're looking at me as a humble king, but you don't know the extent of the humility I will go through to tell you I love you. I'm with you. I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to bring you from death to life. They couldn't imagine this, this great humility. And it's just amazing to see how the Lord truly did guide the Magi all the way to where he was. So it's funny. At this point in time, Jesus is a baby and he can't walk, but he still guides them. <laughs> I think it's awesome. And then the Magi come and, and they present to the king all of these gifts. And again, I hope you see what Matthew's doing. Like all of Matthew, you will see Matthew continually go back to the Old Testament. You'll see Matthew continually go back to Jesus as king. You'll see Matthew continually go back to, hey, this is from the line of David. I mean, why do you think he starts off with the whole genealogy in chapter 1? It's all to just set that up. of saying this is really who Jesus is. So he's emphasizing the king. And, and again, I hope you see, I've already said it before, but just one more time. The Magi were not going to just some destination or to some place. They were going to see a person who is Jesus. And so as we look at all of this, there's just a lot of things we could talk about. But here's the, here's the main thing I want us to take away Right, if, if that big main idea that if someone asks you today at lunch, hey, what did you learn at church today? You could say, man, I need to worship Jesus in expectation. That's like the thing, right? You're just like eating, it's, and they ask you, it's like, hey, worship Jesus in expectation. And they might ask you what? Expectation of what? What am I to expect about Jesus? Well, here's the big application for us this morning. We must prepare for Jesus' arrival. We must prepare for Jesus' arrival you see Jesus has promised that he's returning and I've said that several times but like I mean it and 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 God means it and his word means it and honestly I I can't wait for Jesus to come back because you know what that means that means no bills to pay 
which is amazing. Who just like despises paying bills? I'm like, goodness gracious. Well, also when I think about Jesus coming back, you know what that means? That means no bullies, no bullies at all. When we think about Jesus coming back, that means no more drama. How many of you deal with drama? You know what I mean? Just it's all over with. When I think about Jesus coming back, I think about no more heartache. Anybody experience heartache in here? I'll be the first one to say, yeah. When we think about Jesus coming back, there'll be no more body aches. No more. Like I I was talking to someone just this morning. They're like, yeah, man, I just kind of feel it right here. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get you, but mine's on this side. Like, oof. When we think about Jesus coming back, it's going to be an amazing moment to say, man, our, our king is not coming back as a baby in a manger. Our king is coming back fully triumphant, dressed in white, riding on a white horse saying, yeah, I'm the king, get over it. And he's coming back for his children and he's saying, if you're with me, come fight with me. And, and, and I, when I just think about all of this, I just think back of the generations who before Jesus came, the generations who were just proclaiming and saying, hey, hey, the Messiah, he, he's going to arrive. He will arrive. The, the Messiah is going to come, I promise. And just years would go by and years would go by. There was a generation who would just say, man, Jesus is coming. And then he did. Now we get to be the generation, us, that say, no, no, no. Jesus was here and Jesus is still here. And guess what? Jesus is coming back. So we get to be the generation that gives the full picture, the full picture of glory, of saying that, yeah, our Jesus, our Lord and our King, man, he, he came for us to save us. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. But he didn't say, I am finished. But man, we, when he returns, I would not be surprised if he said, yeah, I'm finished. I'm finished. It's, let's, let's, it's over. let's do this thing. And we have to understand the implications of that. You see, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare anyone or trying to scare anybody. But as we worship Jesus in expectation that he's going to return, we do have to understand the implications of heaven and of hell. Understanding that every person we meet is an eternal person. And that should give some sense of, of urgency, some sense of saying, okay, am I prepared for Jesus to return? And as I prepare for Jesus to return, who am I preparing for Jesus to return? Who am I preparing? Who am I walking with? Who am I discipling? Who am I praying for? Who am I evangelizing? Who am I sharing of saying, hey, your soul matters. Your soul matters, not just to me, but to the God Almighty. And I just want to let you know. You see, because the Christmas promise is Jesus. And he's already fulfilled the first half of that promise. And that second half of the promise, I promise he's going to fulfill it. We don't know when, but he will. And so that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for the grace of God of saying, Lord, I'm a nobody. I can't save myself. I can't do anything to save myself, but you have done everything. You've done all the work for me to be saved. And as I think about this place, my friends, my family, you guys, man, let's be, let's be a people who look at this area, who look at this community, 
and we say, look, I care about you and your soul. And maybe it's a little awkward, but I just need to tell you that Jesus is coming back. And I needed him. I needed him to restore my soul. I needed him to make me new. And look, I don't know everything about your life, but God does. And I think you also need that restoration. Uh, I also think you need that Jesus, that king, who humbly sacrificed himself for you. And so a lot of you, if not all of us or some of us, will probably be spending time with some family this next week. Because this is the last, last Sunday before Christmas. And my prayer is that you would have some gospel conversations with your family. That you would say, hey, uh, I worship Jesus in expectation that he's returning. And part of that worship is just sharing with you. So that will be my prayer for all of you this week. Um, prayer for myself. Um, and so what I want to do just in this moment and this time together is I want to go ahead and have a time of prayer. And I just want to pray for you guys and, and pray for your families as we do go into this Christmas season. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the Christmas promise. Man, it's just so cool. So cool, Lord, to think that that you, the King, humbled yourself for us. That you extended grace and favor to us though we were enemies of yours. Lord, that you had such incredible humility that you died on the cross for us, that he who had no sin became sin for us. And Lord, I pray that those are not just words that we say, but those are things that we remind ourselves every single day, every single week. Lord, because it is that reality and and those truths that we find in your word that encourage us, that challenge us, that remind us of your goodness and your kindness and the reality that our inheritance is not here, but our inheritance is with you. So Lord, I just pray for my friends and my family in front of me that as they go into all the food they're going to eat with their families or as they go into Uh, being with family and friends that they haven't seen in a while or whatever that looks like in their life. Or whether it's just different friends, Lord, I pray that you'd give them boldness to speak, boldness to demonstrate that they worship you in expectation. Lord, I pray that you'd give us that same boldness here in this community that you would help us do things that we haven't done before to reach a people we've never reached before. Lord, that as we look and we walk into uh, 2022, Lord, I pray that you would continue to raise up leaders to lead, raise up leaders to disciple, raise up leaders who can take up a mantle and say, Lord, use all of who I am and all of what I have for your glory. Lord, we love you and we, and we praise you for the Christmas time. Thank you we get to wear sweaters that have little baby Yoda on it. Because it's just so fun. But at the end of the day, remind us, Lord, that we celebrate because you are king. And without you, there's nothing worth celebrating. So thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.